Make sure you're subscribed to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Type The Word of the Lord Endures Forever in your podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. And that's exactly what we ought always to say particularly when we have an inkling that our will is running flat out contrary to God's will. That is the cross Jesus calls us to take up, and we take it up by the prayer, Thy will be done. That's what they do here. And they do it knowing that the will of God is always holy and wise and good. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. So, last time we tracked with Paul and his traveling companions as they traveled along the underbelly of Asia Minor and finally set sail directly across the Mediterranean to the great port city of Tyre, which means they bypassed Cyprus on their left. At Tyre, their ship unloaded its cargo, and Paul and his friends sought out the disciples and stayed there with them seven days. As in other places, they too warned Paul that trouble was lying in wait for him up at Jerusalem. They, in fact, begged him not to continue the journey. But Paul would not be deterred, so when the time to move on arrived, they strolled out of the city with him right down to the beach, men, women, children, the whole church together. They knelt down with Paul and prayed, maybe even in our Father with a huge stress on thy will be done and deliver us from evil. And then the apostolic visit was over. Paul climbed aboard ship and sailed away, never again to see those particular disciples. A reading from Acts, the 21st chapter, beginning at the 7th verse. When he had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus, And we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After those days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Manasson of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. Acts 21, 7-16. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort from your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ready to ponder today's reading? Let's do it. Verse 7. When we finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. Ptolemaeus is about 25 miles south of Tyre, so an easy day's journey at sea. When Paul's entourage arrives there, they immediately look up the brothers, that is, their fellow Christians, and spend the day with them, possibly also the night. Verse 8. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Verse 9. He had four unmarried daughters, who prophesied. That's a voyage of about 30 miles, and this Caesarea is on the Mediterranean coast, not to be confused with the city up north where Peter made his great confession that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is Caesarea Philippi. This is Caesarea Maritima. We've stopped here before in Acts, though. This is the city where Peter preached the gospel to the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius the centurion, and this is the city where Philip the evangelist landed after preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch and then being swept up by the Spirit all the way to Azotus, see Acts 8. Philip was no doubt delighted to open his home up to these special guests, Paul and his companions. We also learn that Philip, who was one of the seven, meaning one of the seven deacons that had been elected back in Acts 6, had four virgin daughters blessed with the gift of prophecy. The Weimarische Bibelwerk, that wondrous volume prepared under the theological leadership of Johann Gerhardt, the greatest of the 17th century Lutheran dogmaticians, says of this, that is, they had the gift of knowing and proclaiming future events as Joel 2.28 describes the daughters of the New Testament. Joel, remember, had promised, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Not that they prophesied or taught in public, but they certainly did so in their father's house. I wonder if that meant that they too joined in warning Paul about what was waiting up the road in Jerusalem. If they didn't, we know someone else who did. Verse 10. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Do you remember Agabus from before? Acts 11, verse 28. 
He was among the prophets who had come down to Antioch from Jerusalem and had announced the great famine that led to the first big offering being gathered and brought to Jerusalem by Paul and Barnabas. His words came true back then, and I'm sure they knew his words would come true this time too. Verse 11. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, symbolic actions like this are rife through the prophetic literature of the Old Testament. You might remember Isaiah walking around in his birthday suit as a warning of the coming exile, or Ezekiel busting through his house and taking his baggage and leaving as another prophetic sign of the same. So Agabus takes Paul's belt off him and wraps it around his own feet and hands, effectively trussing himself up, and then he speaks a word directly from the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hand of the Gentiles. Notice that the Holy Spirit does not tell Paul, don't go. He tells him, this is what's going to happen to you when you get there. Verse 12. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. There's that we again. So, For Luke and his travel companions, they cannot constrain their emotions anymore. They beg him. They plead with him. Please just stop. Please don't walk into this trap. Please. And the folks there in Caesarea, certainly Philip and perhaps Cornelius too among them, all chime in begging the apostle to reconsider. And they apparently didn't just beg with word, but with tears. Tears that filled their eyes and sobs that filled their throat. For we hear next, verse 13. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul asks them what they are doing, breaking his heart with their weeping and pleading. I imagine, knowing that he would be the object of such impending hatred, it must have been hugely comforting for him to realize how very much these folks loved him and treasured him. But he makes it clear to them all, whether it's imprisonment or death in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that awaits in Jerusalem, he's ready for it. He's thought long and hard about it all, and the only thing that matters to him at this point is fulfilling the charge that Jesus had given to him. If this was where he was to die, well, it would only be gained for him. See Philippians 1.21. Verse 14, and since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. And that's exactly what we ought always to say, particularly when we have an inkling that our will is running flat out contrary to God's will. That is the cross Jesus calls us to take up and we take it up by the prayer, thy will be done. That's what they do here. And they do it knowing that the will of God is always holy and wise and good. It's as we sing in the great hymn by 17th century pastor Rodegast. What God ordains is always good. His will is just and holy. 
As he directs my life for me, I follow, meek and lowly. My God, indeed, in every need, knows well how he will shield me. To him, then, I will yield me. What God ordains is always good. He never will deceive me. He leads me in his righteous way, and never will he leave me. I take content what he has sent. His hand that sends me sadness will turn my tears to gladness. A pity that hymn wasn't written back then, for it was exactly written for such situations as they were facing. Verse 15. After these days we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Verse 16. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. Even though nothing but trouble awaits, and they know it now perfectly clearly, they do not abandon St. Paul. They go right along with him, and his companions even swell in number, as many of them there in Caesarea join those who had voyaged with him from distant lands. And they are all finally conducted to the house of Manasseh of Cyprus, who graciously provided this large group with lodging. Notice the hospitality that accompanies this entire venture. From Philip's home to Manasseh's home, Paul was welcomed. St. John Chrysostom reminded his 4th century congregation that if they gladly would have opened their home to St. Paul, they should even more eagerly open it now to Paul's master, since Jesus himself said, he who welcomes the least among you welcomes me. Hence, even if he is not Paul, but a brother who believes, and even if he is the least, Christ is present through him. Right at that juncture, we'll stop for the day. Next up, we'll hear about Paul visiting James, the bishop of Jerusalem, with the other elders, and how warmly they were greeted. But they too are very much aware that St. Paul's a walking powder keg. James hatches a plot publicly to show the Jews that there's nothing at all in the rumors about Paul telling Jews among the Gentiles to abandon the law or not to circumcise their children and so on. He wants Paul to take four men who are under a vow and purify himself right along with them, shaving their heads, paying their expenses. This Paul readily agrees to do. He heads into the temple with them and gives notice for when the days of purification will be completed. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.